Iowa's Newsworthy Past is a project imagined and curated by me, Kristen Noonan, a newly minted librarian. With help from Rod Library at the University of Northern Iowa, I come through an encyclopedic, handy-dandy, Iowa Historical Newspaper Library Guide to select stories and record myself reading them out loud all in my basement. The music you're listening to right now is by Iowa City's Blake Shaw, and the music you're about to notice in the background is by Memphis resident Brendan Lee Spengler. Tune in and out as your time allows, and please enjoy your totally free, no strings attached, last from the past. It's another day, and I'm glad you're here. Welcome to January 20th on Iowa's Newsworthy Past. Our first stop on this day in history will be in Mount Vernon, Iowa, in the Mount Vernon Hawkeye newspaper, January 20th, 1871. I'm your host, Kristen Noonan. It's a pleasure to be your guide today. Let's roll! The Cornell College pledges for the new endowment fund in the hands of Reverend Mr. Kende have reached the sum of $18,000. Bad habits. We hear the older folks complaining very much of the practice of the boys making skating places upon our sidewalks. At present writing, they are in a very icy condition and dangerous for pedestrians. One little fellow has just cried out, Oh, Bill, how slickery, ain't it jolly? Oh, how I would like to see the school marm fall. Sudden death. On last Friday afternoon, Oliver Clark, an old settler living some two or three miles west of Mount Vernon, was found lying near the barn with his arms folded across his breast, dead. It seems that Mr. Clark, after eating a hearty dinner, went to the barn to see after his stock, and in 15 minutes afterwards, the hired man went out for the same purpose, but on nearing the barn, to his astonishment, he found Mr. Clark lying as above stated. An inquest was held and pronounced the cause of his death, heart disease. Mr. Clark was a well-to-do farmer and commanded the respect of his neighbors. On Sabbath last, his funeral sermon was preached by the Reverend G. M. Lodge to a large concourse of friends and neighbors. His age, we believe, was 75 years old. Anti-Masonic Meeting Remember, according to appointment, the Anti-Masonic Association will meet in Clark and Hazel at Hall on Monday evening, the 23rd day of January. The chief feature of the evening will be a particular description of the degree of an entered apprentice mason. By order of committee, PSA poem entitled, An Ode to the Masonic Goat, said to have been recently dictated to a writing medium by the spirit of King Solomon, will be read at the meeting. Fire. We understand that the seminary was on fire last Friday but was extinguished without doing much damage. The most damage was done in finding out just where the fire was located. But we understand there was quite a flurry among the 16th Amendments 
who made things quite lively for a while in, res in rescuing their books and clothing and so on from the supposed terrible conflagration. We learn that one young miss gathered all her books and clothing for the purpose of packing them in her trunk, but in the excitement threw her clothes downstairs, ran and jumped in the trunk herself, and cried for some of the sterner sex to carry her out. Taking it all up all, the scene was gorgeous, temptuous, and grand. A Queer Subject the following bit of news we clip from the Tipton Advertiser. We believe the parties are the ones who drove off Mr. Plattner's horses and who came very near seeing Fort Madison in their fondness for fine horse flesh. A man giving his name as Deckerman came to the Palmer House in this place a week ago last Friday and representing himself sick at once took his bed. He represented himself as carrying a large amount of money upon his person and could not be induced to remove a single article of clothing, even to his boots and overcoat. Thus equipped, he proceeded to be sick in bed from day to day, keeping up the quantity and quality of sickness by absorbing about a quart of whiskey each twenty-four hours. This went on for about a week toward the last of which time he told the landlady he was going to die, that he wanted her to have him decently interred, and telegraphed to his brother in New Orleans of his death, keeping his team and wagon for her trouble, when some of the inmates of the house, considering his situation to have become really critical, disregarded his commands to let him alone and succeeded in getting him warmed up, putting him in a comfortable position, and cutting off his whiskey rations, though he would keep his clothes on. Since then, his health has improved. The rest of the story we do not have very packed. A man who came with the sick of the whiskey, represented by him to be a hus hustler and who looked up after the regular rations, was arrested in Mount Vernon Saturday for some cause, and on Monday the same parties who had him arrested came here and took away the team, but without attempting the arrest of Deckerman. The cause of the arrest or the tenure of any of the parties on the team we know nothing about. Now from the Mount Vernon Hawkeyes, January 20th, 1905 issue. Mischievous Agitators Paid lobbyists throng the capital trying to influence the tariff provision. Under the leadership of men like Babcock of Wisconsin and Cummins of Iowa, the farmers of the Mississippi Valley have been led to the idea that the tariff on manufactured goods is altogether too high and that its excess is burdensome to them. Except for the great popularity of President Roosevelt and the strength of party tie, coupled with the belief that it would be better, at the worst, to stand pat than to entrust revision to the democracy the great farming population of the Middle West might have endangered Republican success this year. On the other hand, says the Salt Lake City Tribune, the old-time and high-minded legislators of the eastern states have been governed by their high regard for our ideals and legislation and by their experience in their opposition to any present attempt to revise the tariff 
and their people have supported them. For instance, Senator Hale of Maine is said to lead in the demand that the tariff shall not be touched. Those who knew him may well conceive that in addition to his idea that the present measure is as safe and just as any which can be obtained, he is opposed to a reopening of this question because it floods the corridors of the Capitol with the horde of paid lobbyists which class the great senator from Maine most cordially hates. He knows that they have more or less influence on committees and that in controversies before the tariff makers, the large and prosperous industries get better consideration than do the small and needy ones. And therefore he prefers, because of his experience with tariff bills, to oppose any attempted invasion of this matter during the present Congress. Iowa State News Library for Consumptives The Des Moines City Library has a consumptive reading room, up-to-date literature touching the cure, treatment, and prevention of tuberculosis has been classified and set apart for the use of the rapidly growing number of people who are taking a vital interest in this subject. In addition to furnishing them material to educate themselves as to the cure of the disease, it separates them from the non-consumptives and removes the liability of contagion. The places are designated by signs so that compliance is secured without the necessity of the library officials making personal requests. Iowa rate is high. Toll of states unequal, says correspondent. Jones County now leads. Holds prize for 1904 production in butter. Carroll calls story of many bank failures a bit of yellow journalism. Comparison of railroad freight rates of Iowa with those of Wisconsin brings to light the fact that Iowans who have dealings with the railroads are obliged to pay more than those in the same position in the Badger State. The disclosure, which took place in this city, is set forth by a pamphlet issued by the Roads of Wisconsin as a campaign argument against Governor Follette, and now that the Red Book compiled by E.L. Phillips, telling the truth about Wisconsin freight rates, has reached this state. Iowa shippers are clamoring for a rates adjustment which will put them on a par with the Badger State. Governor La Follette in 1903 declared that the Wisconsin shippers were obliged to pay higher freight rates than those of Iowa, and the railroads replied by showing tabulated statements settling forth the fact that Iowa rates were really higher than Wisconsin. Then the, governor of retor then the governor retorted by declaring that the reason for this was because the railroads punished the Iowans for adopting the railroad commission system and the maximum local tariff system, to prevent which establishment the fight on La Follette was made. The political side of the matter has nothing to do with this state, but the uninterested person gains the idea from the arguments which arose that Iowa shippers are being charged higher rates than are assessed in Wisconsin. A few of the tables prepared by the Wisconsin Railroad men may be of interest. Those dealings with cattle, hogs, coarse grain, and wheat follow. Iowa Electoral College meets. 
The Iowa Electoral College met in this city and cast the official votes for President of the United States, and the news that Theodore Roosevelt was the unanimous choice of the Iowa representatives did not cause any wild demonstrations about Des Moines. W. L. Turner of New Hampton, who occupied the place for which George E. May of Charles City was originally chosen, was honored by being elected messenger of the body. It is the duty of this official to carry the vote of the state to Washington, D.C. and deliver it to the President of the United States. Quite a contest marked the selection of a man for this position, 18 ballots being cast before a decision was arrived at. For sale, two sleighs inquire at Mitchell's Livery Barn. For sale, several good S.C. Brown Leghorn Cockerels. Charles J. Stanley. Chapman's prices are lower than the weather. Cast your eagle eye over this. Lemons 12 cents per dozen. Bananas 15 cents per dozen. Oranges 45 cents per peck at Fox's. Farms, farms, farms. Do you want a farm? We can supply you. All sizes either raw or improved on easy payments. Now is the time and Washington the place, the land of plenty. Ideal climate, no blizzards nor cyclones, bountiful harvests with ready market at good prices. No record of crop failure. For further information, call on Frank T. Davis, Mount Vernon, Iowa, or write Anson S. Burge, Spokane, Washington. That's it for January 20th on Iowa's Newsworthy Past. Thanks for tuning in. Hey there, thanks for listening. Hey, if you liked your ride, remember that you can follow me on Instagram at Iowa's Newsworthy Past. If you didn't like your ride, well, maybe you will tomorrow.